I'm Peter Klein. And this is We Had No Idea. Episode 19. Hold on, hold on. Okay. Oh, these are so, I have such long nails. <laughs> oh, legally Canada, baby! Flawless. Flawless execution. <laughs> this is a completely, kombucha. Completely worth it, me getting that booch for you out of the fridge before we started this. Totally. <laughs> we come to you from Mokinsis, and we acknowledge that we get the privilege of living and producing this show on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Tsutsina Nations, the Iahe Nakoda Nations, the Métis Nation, Region 3, and all people who make their homes in the Treaty 7 region of Southern Alberta. You can find out what native lands you're on by looking at native-land.ca. Uh, sources for the program today, history.com, washingtonpost.com, watergate.info, and the final report. Watergate from National Geographic, if you haven't dun, dun. already figured out what we're doing today. It's Watergate. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which, as, you know, 19 episodes in, every single time almost, we say, I legitimately had no idea about this. Right. Um, I, I knew a little bit of it. I knew that there was a thing called Watergate, and I knew that it involved a conspiracy um, involving the President of the United States. To the extent that I found out about it, I did not know. Like, there was a lot in here that I had no idea about. Right. Watergate, to me, is a hip-hop move. Oh. It's a dance move. It's the name of a dance move. Oh, I did not know that. That's how I knew it. That's all I knew. (laughs) Um, Yes. No, this is one that, like, you hear it brought up a lot. And so it, it was honestly one of the ones when we talked about starting the show that I thought about, like, okay, this is a thing that happened. I need to know more about this thing that happened. And I'm quite glad that I do now. Yeah, it actually has so many um, little ties to lots of things. Right. Um, and even I didn't see anything. I tried to Google this about Forrest Gump being the person who calls the police because he <laughs> sees... Uh, like flashlights and stuff right. in the Watergate hotel room. And he's like, something's fishy here. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't find anything that actually said that that was him that did that. Oh, okay. Um, Unconfirmed. Lots of, lots of people were like, no, they put it in the Forrest Gump movie. So it has to be true. And I'm like, I, I honestly don't know. The I Forrest Gump documentary, know. you mean? What? It's not just a movie. It's a documentary, obviously. It's completely factual. Oh my God. <laughs> I can't with this. So I don't, I don't know if Forrest Gump was there or not. It's fun to think that he would be because there is like little ties like that in this story. So, I mean, it would make sense that he was the one that called the cops, but right, yeah, it was, no, I cannot exactly. confirm or deny that. Yeah. Um, so thank you for downloading. We are very excited to get to 19 uh, episodes. This has been very fun. And I feel like I've learned so, so, so much about um, the world. And now... You know, we're going to talk about my favorite place, which is America. (laughs) I feel like I shit on America too much, but I just, I feel like we, like being Canadian, we have a very uh, North American and specifically American centric view of the world. Like everything that we learn is basically like, yeah, the States did this. And then the rest of the world did this. Mm -hmm. So I do like to stay away from doing US specific stuff, but I am glad that you suggested this one. This is a really interesting story and one that i did not know like i already said yeah and it's interesting this is kind of the the yin and yang of us because because we have so much um uh, i guess exposure to american history i'm fascinated by american history so 
I, I, I try to put a governor on it when we are doing these, and I, I think we've done a pretty good job so far. And then every now and then it's, oh, we don't really have an idea. Oklahoma City. Yeah. Yeah. Over here. Right here. Okay. Um, That's so this was. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So this was another one. So uh, I, I don't know when I'll pop up with the, the JFK shootings or anything like that, right. but uh, we'll, I'll pop in every now and then with these. And so, yeah, when it comes to me, I like take my glasses off and I'm like, I've seen enough about America. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Um, but yes, thank you for downloading. And, uh, I did give a shout out to my sister and her new baby at the end of our last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but then her husband <laughs> let me know <laughs> that I did in fact not mention him. So congratulations to you as well, Eric. Yes. Uh, Congrats sorry. to Sam and Eric. Uh, sorry. I forget about you. Um, we also need to talk about Australia just a little bit more before we start this episode. It's not nearly as funny as the emu wars. Sorry, the great Emu the war. Great Emu Wars. Specify. Put uh, some respect on their name. Put some respect on it. But in 2020, Australia had a camel cull where four to 5,000 camels were killed by rounds from helicopters because of extreme drought in southern Australia. The camels were being aggressive and they were going into towns and villages and uh, like attacking people, I guess, because they were like, we're thirsty too and we want water and we can sense that it's here. Yeah. Um, I just kind of thought that that was worth mentioning because obviously Australia has learned. Right. They were like, let's do helicopters with guns. Let's not send out armored or, you know, let's not send out somebody on the back of a pickup. Yeah. With a a machine gun that's going to jam after 12 rounds. a machine gun. What's those? A musket. Like an old tiny, like, stand still for (laughs) 10 minutes. Right. (laughs) Uh, So Australia did learn their lesson, although they did kill a ton of camels. Mm -hmm. And... Aggressive or not, we really don't like to see animals just being culled, especially because no. it's like, why was there droughts? Climate change. Why was there climate change? People. So let's kill the animals. Anyways. <laughs> I think something similar happens with wild pigs in Texas, where they like fly over in helicopters and just gun a bunch of them down. The pigs? Year. Yes. The fly pig, over the, Yes, the, the flying pigs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to. Yeah. No, that's fine. Trying to talk about a serious thing and you made a joke. So no, that's cool. Yeah, that's fine. That's like the theme of this podcast. Right. And basically the theme of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know I can't make, I can't not make a joke about yes. almost everything. Yeah. So with lots, that. Lots of jokes to be made about this one today. Yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's all I know about <laughs> I I was wondering what kind of a setup you would need to get into a Richard Nixon impersonation. And you just went for awkward pause. So I Literally appreciate none. that. Yeah. Literally none. Right. Okay, so Watergate. Richard Nixon was elected as the president of the United States in 1968 after he was vice president during Eisenhower's two terms, which, to nobody's surprise, I did not know. <laughs> uh, the whole scandal of Watergate takes place in 1971, and Watergate is a hotel, but, like, has conference rooms and stuff in Washington, D.C., and the majority of this story and the Watergate scandal takes place in like 72, 73, conviction 74 type right. time period. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So early, early to mid 70s is sure. what we're talking here. Yeah. So the origins of the, the Watergate break in kind of 
all tie into the political climate at the time. We go to June of 1971, where the New York Post released what was called the Pentagon Papers, explaining the American government's plans of expanding the Vietnam War even prior to Richard Nixon getting in. Daniel Ellsberg was the man who leaked the information. Nixon called it the most massive leak of classified documents in U.S. history. So Nixon created a group called the Plumbers, meant to stop <laughs> leaks. Uh, because even while you're de dealing with international incidents and in one of the most horrific wars of all time, there's still room for humor people. It's got to be a, a fun name. Who doesn't want to be called a plumber? Right, exactly. So the information that was leaked came before Nixon's presidency, but it was leaked during Nixon's presidency, if that makes sense. His first presidency. First presidency, okay. yes. Yep. Um, at the time, Nixon had a double-digit lead over his likely opponent, George McGovern, but Nixon was worried that his enemies and leaks to the press would undermine his international agenda. Nixon inherited the Vietnam War and didn't want to tarnish his legacy by being the first president to lose a war. So we are seeing early on that the, um, I guess, breadcrumbs are being left of a gigantic ego issue that we have with the president of the United States in 1971. Right. And like, you know, the Vietnam War, the war that everybody loved participating in. Mm -hmm. Notorious for being popular. September of 1971, Howard Hunt and G. Gordon Liddy hire a group of Cuban burglars to break into Daniel Ellsberg's. He's the guy who leaked the Vietnam War expansion papers. Uh, they hire the Cubans to break into his psychiatrist's files to get dirt on him. In May 1972, members of Nixon's committee to re-elect the president, known derisively, oof, what a word, right? as creep, but I guess technically it's only crep. Well, no, I, I guess, yes, I, I, I looked at that for longer than I should have. I yeah. believe they are counting both the R and the E from reelect to get to creep. Right, but then there'd still only be one E. Right, and there are two words that have T's in there that um, kind of would throw things off a little Could bit. Yes, yeah, it doesn't really roll off the tongue, and creep's hilarious. Creep so. is better, yeah. for sure. Yes. So, members of that committee break into the Democratic National Committee's Watergate headquarters. They steal copies of top-secret documents and bugged the office phones. And I'll let you... Do this part, because I know you want to. Yes. Uh, one of the theories as to why break-in in the first place was that they wanted information on DNC Chairman Larry O'Brien. And if you heard that and immediately went, Larry O'B, it's actually the same dude. Yes. If that name sounds familiar, the Raptors and Kawhi Leonard would give him the Larry O'B nickname as, in fact, the guy who the NBA Finals trophy is named after is this dude. He took over as NBA commissioner in 1975. How but fun. at this point, he's pissing off the fine folks in the White House. Uh, he was the most visible and vocal voice of the Democratic Party. So again, five burglars were flown in from Miami. They were ex-CIA agents selected by Howard Hunt and again, G. Gordon Liddy or G. Gordon Liddy. Uh, Gordon. Gordon. Um, <laughs> both Liddy and Hunt are basically trusted by each other and by Nixon and are affiliated with him. Nixon hired Liddy specifically to gather information on the Democrats, gave him $250,000 budget and permission to break in. Liddy was the one who brought Hunt in. 250000 American yep. dollars. Right. 
Yes. <laughs> um, another man, Alfred C. Baldwin, is planted at a hotel across the street. He is going to be the one who monitors the wiretaps. Baldwin took detailed notes after the Watergate burglary to find out any campaign tactics the DNC had planned. He only found out some basic office gossip from the secretary's phones because the bug that was placed on Larry O'B's phone was defective. That had to be an awkward conversation. Like, okay, I have bad news and I have worse news. <laughs> uh, the bad news Petunia is... from the photocopier <laughs> right. says... Yeah. That Karen is going to divorce her husband and also the other bug isn't working. So that's literally all the information I have. Yeah. Um, so the bad news is um, one of the bugs doesn't work. The worst news is that it's the only one that really mattered. Right. So yeah. shit. On June 17th, uh, Liddy sent the team back in to this Watergate office. Yeah. Uh, McCord taped the door open so it wouldn't latch. Uh, upon closing it, <laughs> I accidentally erased a letter, so it says hose. <laughs> in hopes. That's supposed to be hopes, not in hose. <clears throat> so McCord taped the door so that it wouldn't latch uh, in hopes that the cleaning staff would use the same method so that they could just, like, push their way through the doors and then, you know, clean up, rip the tape off, leave, um, and it wouldn't draw attention. They had done that, but a security guard noticed the tape and removed it. An hour later, he noticed that the tape was back again, so he calls the FBI. Yeah, so the, the cleaning staff did, in fact, use the tape over the, the door latch strategy so they could just bump their way into rooms mm -hmm. to make it easier. Um, but they had also cleared all of that out, and the security guard was aware of this. Yeah. And so then, wait a minute, there's more? Something's afoot. Something is amiss. Let's let's call the, the police. So Baldwin was supposed to look out from across the street, but he doesn't recognize the police officers as officers because they're off-duty when they arrive. As the officers arrive, they see one of the burglars turn a light on in the building. The officers race in, and Baldwin realizes he done goofed. Police find $2,300 on the men who broke in and suspect money laundering. So immediately it, it's not thought, oh, well, these guys are connected to the president of the United States of right, America. Right, or that they're breaking into the DNC office. Right, exactly. They're just regular burglar we're here for some folks. money yes um and the story doesn't generate much buzz and news organizations put fairly low ranking people on it um it, it's funny to think of that now as um these guys are a couple of the more like famous journalists of all time mm -hmm. um but bob woodward and carl bernstein actually are the ones who trace this back to creep they recognize one of the arrested burglars the aforementioned james mccord is the uh, security coordinator for creep um, also, detectives found the burgers left behind. And, the burgers. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you can tell we're doing this before supper. Um, detectives found the burglars left behind address books and a check from Howard Hunt. Hunt's initials are in the book beside the letters WH, which would stand for White House, because while we took some planning into this, apparently... Covering our tracks was not necessarily considered yeah, in this. We like, came up with code name the plumbers. Yes, yeah, exactly. Creativity not our strong point for code names in 1971. Yeah, Ivory Mansion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, a shiny dwelling. Um, so Woodward tracks down Hunt and asks, "Hey, why is your name there?" And there's a bit on the National uh, Geographic documentary where the, the guy's recalling the phone conversation he has. is like, called up Hunt, said, hey, why would your name be in here? And he basically goes, oh, fuck. Like, that's, 
it's basically like, well, the jig is up. This is going to be a very, this is going to be a very big problem. But to tell you where the White House was in terms of this compared to other things, their main concern was that the White House was going to find out that these same five Cubans... Yeah, sorry, that the press was going to find out these same five Cubans were the ones who broke into a psychiatrist's office to get dirt on Ellsberg. They weren't even overly worried about Watergate. Right. On June 20th, the Washington Post runs a story linking Hunt to the break-in. Hunt is linked with Charles Colson, part of Nixon's legal counsel. Nixon calls Colson and asks about Watergate, and Colson says the White House shouldn't be worried. Nixon still is and is worried the press are his political enemies. I mean, you can start to see some comparisons to a certain, I mean, I didn't, uh, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Anyhow, Jack Nelson covers the white house for the LA times and says the president was always paranoid. I mean, usually when I do like high key illegal shit, I'm pretty worried. Right. Too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. When I, when I threaten democracy, I know I get a little bit on edge sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, uh, publicly the white house dismisses the break in as a low level burglary. Privately, the White House is worried that the press will keep digging, and do they ever. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but in about three weeks' time, the story essentially disappears from the media. Um, CBS put a young reporter on it named Leslie Stahl. She bails on the story. They, they had her in the documentary, and she's like, yeah, this thing's not going anywhere. So instead of like sticking with this what would have been career story, she's like, ah, I'm going to go do something else. Um, Woodward told her, hey, maybe, maybe don't do that because this thing is probably mm -hmm. going to, to unravel. And I got the, a feeling about this one. The first time that it kind of pops back up as something that will unravel is July 10th. So a couple of weeks later, Alfred Baldwin, homie who was supposed to be on lookout uh, across the way and now knows all the awesome, um, office gossip from the, the DNC, he comes to the FBI uh, he reveals that after the botched break-in, he approached Creep for guidance, and they basically ghosted him. So now, he's here to cut a deal. Baldwin tells the FBI who set it all up, and Baldwin is never charged with anything. Hmm. Nixon and his aides hatched a plan to instruct the CIA to impede the FBI's investigation of the crime. This all of a sudden makes this a much more serious crime mm -hmm. than the break-in, um, as it was an absolute <laughs> abuse of presidential power and deliberate obstruction of justice, kind of in the two wrongs don't make a right sort of a situation. Yeah. So on September 15th, a federal grand jury indicts the burglars as well as Hunt and Liddy. At the urging of Nixon's aides, Five of them plead guilty to avoid trial because you don't want none of this dirt being dug up. But a couple of them decide, ah, eh, you know what? Let's ride it out and try this whole trial thing, which had to be incredibly infuriating to Nixon's people at the time. Because they're being like, hey, can you guys shut the fuck up? And they're like, nah. And so, well, we kind of need you to. Um, so we'll, we'll get I into... I mean, don't do illegal shit then. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we'll, we'll get into more of how that played out later. But by this time, the there's a number of people who are starting to wonder, like, what exactly is going on here? Because five people just automatically, yeah, no, we're done. Yep, you got mm -hmm. us. Um, so Woodward and Bernstein, along with the judge on the case, John J. Sirica, and members of a Senate investigating committee had begun to suspect that there was a larger scheme afoot. Um, at the time, some of the conspirators began to crack under the pressure of the cover-up. Dun-dun. <laughs> October 9th, so still in 1972, 
Uh, if you're following along, this is now one month before the presidential election where Nixon will, I won't spoil it, but he's right. running for his second presidential Mm -hmm. term. Uh, term reporter woodward meets a source he switches cabs on the way to not be followed so spooky he finds out creep was involved in the burglaries as well as a number of other dealings to keep nixon president the source gets nicknamed deep throat and there's so many pop culture references of news interviews where there's a person shadowed to like keep their identity safe and their nickname is deep throat that i always thought it was just because they had vocal effects on the person um, but it turns out it's like a double entendre and also related to Watergate. Mm -hmm. So here we have our second little weirdo tie into Watergate. <laughs> um, sorry. Through the fall of 1972, Woodward returned to Deep Throat for his leads. LOL. It turns out that Mark Feltz is this Deep Throat person. He is associate director of the FBI. Feltz's interactions with Woodward were infrequent, but impactful in breaking the case. After the Watergate break-in, Felt built a case against the burglars and wanted to expand it to the White House, but they undermined his efforts. The White House suspected that the source slash deep throat was Felt, but they said they couldn't fire him because they were worried that then he would have nothing to lose and just spill everything that he had and make them look even more shady. So they were being shady to avoid being found out that they were shady. Indeed shady. Mm -hmm. So the day after uh, Woodward meets with Deep Throat, the story hits the paper. The public learns that the burglary is just one of many types of situations like this. In the election, obviously, like, there is a wild conspiracy going on against the president of the United States of America at this time, and apparently no one cared. <laughs> That's the type of man I want representing me. Right. Goes out and takes what he wants. Yeah. Steamrolls the competition. I really cannot make this shit up about the comparisons between somebody who was just the former president. Right. <laughs> Tell us how uh, President Nixon did. Well, you see, he gets 49 states, with the exception of Massachusetts, in the largest presidential landslide in history. I, I wanted you to read that part just so that you would have the chance to show off how well you can say Massachusetts. I thought it was hilarious that the only state that Nixon didn't have was the one that you've had some trouble with. Did you with. see I didn't even blink at yeah, it? Yeah, you just Ooh, rolled right through. Suck it, Massachusetts! <laughs> So on January 8th, 1973, the five Watergate burglars and Howard Hunt and Gordon Liddy appear in court. So this is when they all get indicted. Hunt pleads guilty to six charges, including conspiracy and wiretapping. Four of the five burglars plead guilty. James McCord and Liddy plead not guilty and refuse to discuss if anyone higher up is involved. The judge Sirica, that's what we're calling him? Yeah. Uh, grills the burglars, <laughs> grills the burgers, <laughs> if the White House is involved. The judge asks who is paying these legal bills for the burglars, and they say, I don't know. I find it interesting that McCord and Liddy pled guilty, but then... Pled not guilty. Pl sorry, pled not guilty. And then, okay, well, was anyone above you involved? Uh, I don't know either. Like, who, who was it? Well, it wasn't us. Okay, but who was it? Uh, not them either. Look, okay, dude, I don't know. What? Yeah, it was just like... It wasn't us can stop asking questions. It Does was... caller ID even exist yet? I don't know who it is. Right, yeah, exactly. Someone just called me and asked me to do this thing, and they were like, <laughs> here's money. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, I was not expecting that. Surprise! Yeah. So, January 20th, Nixon 
is sworn in for his second term. Uh, two months before the final American troops leave Vietnam, Nixon adds John Dean to his legal team. He asks him to deal with the Watergate scandal and asks him to control the information in and out of the White House. So, again, that tells you kind of the, the level of paranoia that Nixon mm-hmm. has is that his first act as a uh, two-term president is, okay, now you deal with this. Yeah, help a brother out. Yeah. Ten days later, Liddy and McCord are shockingly found guilty of conspiracy burglary what? and wiretapping, but no greater presidential conspiracy can be proven at the time. Judge Sirica urges the Senate to look into Watergate, saying he's not satisfied that the pertinent facts were not presented in front of um, an American jury. And they, they had a thing with, with um, in this documentary with reporters saying, like, I've never seen a judge do anything like this where they were basically like, okay, yes, you guys are guilty, but there's some bullshit going on Mm -hmm. that we need to get to the bottom of. There's something bigger here. I just can't prove it right now. Right. So with that go-getter spirit in mind, uh, February 7th, a committee is made to figure out if something indeed illegal happened with the last presidential campaign. They want to know if Nixon played a role. And then at the sentencing, March 23rd, of everyone involved with the Watergate scandal, a letter is read from McCord that says there was political pressure applied to plead guilty and stay silent. This ignites interest in Watergate because it's basically saying that Nixon is the political pressure. So Dean, this new lawyer appointed by Nixon to his legal team, approaches Senate investigators and believes the cover-up is spiraling out of control. He will tell them everything he knows. Nixon asks Dean to resign and passes him a letter asking Dean to use his involvement in Watergate as a reason for his resigning, basically asking him for an open confession. Nixon tells Dean he is planning on removing his top aides, Holdeman and John... Ehrlichman. Ehrlichman, who are involved in the cover-up. Dean doesn't believe him and wants to see their resignation letters. He thinks the cover-up is about to be pinned solely on him because someone in Creep is going to have to take the fall here. Uh, so on April 29th, Nixon does indeed ask his guys to say uh, to, to resign. In his memoirs, he told these guys, Last night, I hoped and prayed that I would not wake up this morning, calling the decision the hardest one he has had to make. <laughs> The next day, he addresses the nation, saying that he believes his staff was involved in the cover-up. Quote, there has been an effort to conceal the facts, not only from the public, but from me. (laughs) I swear I'm just ignorant to what my employees are up to. I'm not a crook. I'm just negligent. It's much better. (laughs) (laughs) So on May 17th, the Senate hearings begin. All three major networks air the hearings live, and the next day... Uh, a man named Archibald Cox is assigned to investigate Nixon. On June 25th, John Dean testifies against the president. Like, he's had, like, a job for six months. Yeah. But, uh, more like five, honestly, at this point. But anyways, he reads a 245-page statement for almost eight hours. It's a long fucking time. Right. And again, he compiled all of that in five months. Uh-huh. This Uh, isn't after years of working on this. This is what I found. Like, this is, my probation would have ended two months ago, and I have found out all of this information. Yeah, so he outlines what the president calls his, quote-unquote, dirty tricks campaign. July 16th, Alexander Butterfield. Butterfield. Someone who has worked with the president. By the way, if you see this guy, 
uh, especially at the time, he looks 100% like you would expect a guy named Alexander Butterfield to look. Oh my God, I'm going to Google um, He's asked if there are tapes, which is apparently, there, there wasn't a, we have suspicion that there might be tapes. This was just a, no, oh, fuck it, maybe there's something. Are there tapes about this? And he pauses so long, just kind of a, well, I can't lie. What do I do? I have to tell the truth. Ooh. Yep. There are tapes. He was aware that there were listening and recording devices set up in the Oval Office. News of the secret taping shocks the president's staff because they had, much like this podcast, no idea. Oh my God. <laughs> um, they were like very much blindsided by this. And they were saying like one of the parts about being like an aide to the president is being able to talk openly to the president in the Oval Office. Mm -hmm. And the reason for these tapes that eventually, spoiler alert, end up crumbling the presidency of Richard Nixon, not for, oh, well, I'm paranoid, not for any of this. He was taping the interviews for his memoirs. Mm. He wanted to have all of the things for a book that he was going to write. Dude. Again, this is where the ego comes in to just completely destroy things. Second turn. Last yeah. slide victory. Yep. This fucking guy? Yeah. Ugh. So apparently he intended to erase these recordings, probably after he got the good stuff for his memoirs, but he never does. Um, he had pneumonia, Nixon does, at the time that Butterfield is saying that they exist, and he was in the hospital so he couldn't, you know, get to them and delete, delete, delete. Right. Uh, Archibald Cox wants those tapes. He subpoenas them, but Nixon refuses for months. Nixon struggles to protect the tapes during the summer and fall of 1973. Reminder, he is still indeed president at this point. Uh, his lawyers argued that the president's uh, that the president's executive privilege allowed him to keep the tapes to himself, but Judge Sirica and the Senate committee were all determined to obtain them. I want to go back and look. Like, did anything happen in the USA during this time? Like, that the guy who was in charge is fighting for his life for the the first six months uh, of his time there. Like, did they accomplish anything, or was it just like twenty four seven trying to cover this shit up? 24-7 trying to cover yeah, this Yeah, it kind of seems like it. Yeah. Archibald soon clashes with the White House over Nixon's refusal to release over 10 hours of secret Oval Office recordings, some of which implicated the president in the break-in. One of the most controversial episodes of the Watergate scandal, the so-called Saturday Night Massacre, comes on October 20th, 1973. Nixon orders Attorney General Elliot Richardson and Deputy Attorney General William Ruckelshaus to fire Cox, but both men refused and resigned their posts in protest. The role of Attorney General then fell to Solicitor General Robert Bork, who reluctantly complies with Nixon's request and dismisses Cox. Less than an hour later, the White House dispatched FBI agents to close off the offices of the special prosecutor, attorney general, and deputy attorney general. What, what, what? Yeah. So, to recap, <laughs> the guy investigating the president um, was supposed to be fired by the president, but the guys who were supposed to do the firing said no, and he had to go to third in command to eventually fire them, and then they shut down the offices of the guys who had resigned in yes. protest. So Nixon's attack on his own Justice Department came with grave consequences. More than 50,000 concerned citizens sent... Tele this is the 50,000 people from Massachusetts who didn't vote for him. <laughs> They're like, uh-uh, we know, we know what's up. Yeah. Um, they sent telegrams to Washington, and 21 members of Congress introduced resolutions calling for Nixon's impeachment. 
here we like, go. What did you think was going to happen? Like, did you think, oh yeah, we're going to fire this guy. No one's going to really notice or care. And we'll just go on. Our... Yeah, it's, it's, it's a coincidence. We're firing the guy who's investigating me right mm-hmm. now. Which again, is a tie-in to... You know, Former president. Yesteryear. Um, November 21st, <laughs> so my birthday. Um, the administration says there's a problem. They say when Secretary Rosemary Woods was transcribing the tapes, she accidentally erased an 18 and a half minute stretch. She reenacted what happened to the press in a move that they called the Rosemary Stretch. Mm-hmm. She, there's a picture of her. She's like reaching across to one side. And oh, and then you see, I just accidentally bebooped and then everything was erased. <laughs> I don't know what happens. And wouldn't you know it, the part that was accidentally erased was the first time Nixon himself talked about the Watergate break-in um, and said that they should cover it up. Convenient. Right. Yes, exactly. Hmm. Um, February of 1974, the House votes for impeachment by a vote of 410 to 4. So, all in favor, Mm. basically. Yeah, all in favor took a while. Yeah. All opposed was a guy in the background. Hi. Well, I think I like him. Yeah. (laughs) Tells it like it is. But also, he has been president for a year at this point. Five. Fully, um, okay, yes, yes, yes. For his second term, right? Though he has been actually president for a year. Yeah. At this point. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, and this <laughs> happened three years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah, the things move quick. Justice system. Um, now, as we found out again a couple of years ago, just because the House votes to impeach you doesn't mean that you're gone. Um, it, it's just kind of you know. And a majority of 406 when you're dealing with 414 saying, we need to get this guy out of here. Mm-hmm. On March 1st, 1974, a grand jury appointed by a new special cro- uh, prosecutor indicted seven of Nixon's former aides on various charges related to the Watergate affair. The jury, unsure if they could indict a sitting president, called mm-hmm. Nixon an unindicted co-conspirator. Mm. So then Nixon's like, all right. You guys caught me. Here are the edited transcripts that we can send to you. Heavily edited yeah. transcripts. And I thought it was so funny. They mentioned, they, they went out of their way to mention, everyone was surprised by how vulgar it was. It's like, that, that's what you're surprised at. This guy right. covering up, trying to spy on the other party, <laughs> and you're worried that he said fuck a couple of times. Like Right, trying to spy on his, uh, the people, or on his opponents... Mm-hmm. And like, obviously, has a pretty big ego. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I just can't believe he swore so much. Mm-hmm. But apparently, these were a big hit in the uh, hippie community, as people would have parties to read them together and kind of turn <laughs> it into like a, a jokey thing. Yeah, as like a drama kid, I can see like the table reads of this now with like <laughs> people being like, we could make this into a great play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think yours is better than mine. <laughs> So in July of now, we're in 1974, uh, the Supreme Court orders Nixon to turn over the tapes fully, not edited versions. While the president drags his feet, the House Judiciary Committee votes to impeach Nixon for obstruction of justice, abuse of power, criminal cover-up, and several violations of the Constitution. July 24th, the U.S. Supreme Court orders Nixon to release the tapes. I have so many questions about, like, why this can't just be done. Yeah, why Why did this take so long? Like, it's well, like, we're trying to come to the bottom of this. Well, we have tapes of the guy who we're investigating talking about it. Oh, let's wait on that. Yeah. Like, like we need all letters, A through Z, to agree that he needs to give the tapes. So mm-hmm. far, we only have 
A through Q. Yeah. So I guess we'll just wait for a while. Yeah. Um, one of the damning bits of the, the tapes, because, again, spoiler alert, turns out there was some um, hard evidence against Nixon <laughs> in there. Uh, but the one from June 23rd, 1972 is labeled the smoking gun. Uh, in there, there is a quote, it would be very detrimental to having this thing go any further. This involves these Cubans, Hunt, and a lot of hanky-panky. Um, again, uh, I apologize for the vulgar language that people were so shocked by at the time. Oh, hanky-panky, I mean. Nixon says the investigation would expose the burglars as ex-CIA who were involved in the failed Bay of Pigs mission in Cuba. Nixon says that they should call the FBI and halt the investigation using a cover story, which again is the definition of obstructing justice. Yes. Um, the, the CIA director was like, well, we certainly can't do that and refused to go along with the plan. Good for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> July 27th, an official article of impeachment was passed. Almost two weeks later, on August 8th, 1974, Nixon addresses the nation. America needs a full-time president and a full-time Congress. No shit. Therefore, <laughs> I shall resign the presidency as of noon tomorrow. It is two lines on our script, and there is so much there. One, America needs a full-time president and a full-time Congress. Everyone involved in doing anything in the United States is focused on this thing for, like, two fucking years. Mm -hmm. Which, again, that doesn't not tie in mm -hmm. to a former president. But it's like, how did anything get done? Did anything get no. done? It's crazy. And then, well, I'm going to uh, resign. Again, there is no admission of guilt. There yeah. is no whatever. It's just, well, I'm in the way, so I'm going to step aside. And America <laughs> needs someone better than me, so as a as a nice gesture, I shall leave. Yeah. Um... <laughs> And wouldn't you know, he avoids trial because of this. Mm -hmm. um, after his speech, it is said that Nixon stayed up until 1.30 in the morning, just wandering around the White House, reflecting on his presidency and what brought it all down. Apparently, um, uh, many were concerned that he was suicidal at the time, uh, because again, ego, and now you've been caught, where else do you turn, apparently? Right. Yes. So six weeks later, after Vice President Gerald Ford is now sworn in as president, he pardons Nixon for any crimes he has committed while in office. Some of Nixon's aides, not so lucky. They are convicted of very serious offenses and sent to federal prison. Uh, Nixon's Attorney General of the United States, John Mitchell, served 19 months for his role in the scandal. Uh, Liddy served four and a half years. Nixon's Chief of Staff spent 19 months in prison while John... Can you do it again? Ehrlichman. Ehrlichman spent 18 for attempting to cover up the break-in. Nixon himself never admitted to any criminal wrongdoing, though he did acknowledge using poor judgment. So again, there is still, even now, no clear <laughs> evidence linking him to Watergate directly, but it is clearly a result of him saying, we need to get more information on those guys. So yeah. he doesn't specifically say, on this night, go to this hotel and bug these phones. Mm -hmm. But it is very much implied that, hey, you need to do this. To show you how desperate he was, when the judge asked the burglars, who is paying your legal fund? It was paid out of Nixon's campaign funds, mm -hmm. which I don't know how you go about getting those back in 1970. But now, I believe those have to be donated. Yeah. So, not your money being used to blackmail people and to, to bribe things. Um, and to pay legal bills for people that you coerced to quit 
to commit crimes. Yes. Um, Dean, the fellow who we talked about before. Don Dean. Told the, the president the cycle of hush money would never end. That there's an exchange where Dean says, quote, there's a cancer close to the presidency and these guys are always going to need money. Like, that's the thing with hush money is that the, they always need to stay hushed. So they are always uh -huh. going to need money. And when someone finds out that you're getting hush money to somebody else, well... You better give me some hush money or yeah. else I'm going to tell them that you're giving them hush money and da 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 Yeah. Nixon asked, well, how much do they need? Dean said, it'll probably be a few million dollars over the next few years. And Nixon replied, well, we could get that. <laughs> so just... That's a 19... That's a lot of money in It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money now. It's a lot of but money it's, now, yeah. It, it is definitely a lot of money back then. And so one thing we haven't covered throughout this whole thing yeah. is why. And that is one of the things, okay. really, I wanted to know. Why, why, why would you go through all of this? <laughs> the reason he wanted and forced all of this to happen yes. was because he wanted the biggest presidential win in U.S. history. And, and he has that. He, he has that, yes, to his credit, yes. <laughs> yeah, much like Barry Bonds has the home run record in baseball, Richard, there are people who will get that reference. You don't, but people will get that reference. Okay, great. Um, Richard Nixon holds that record in the United States of America. Huh. He, he had lost to JF Kennedy um, in 1960. And then after winning in 1968, by a razor-thin margin, uh, just going back and looking at it, he wanted to have the biggest win ever. He was up 10 full points in the polls, as we said at the beginning of this thing. Mm -hmm. But that was not enough for him. And his ego and his greed sent Everill, everything spiraling out of control. Yeah, led him to being impeached. Or, sorry, mm -hmm. resigning yeah. as president. Um, after this, he had put in a bunch of different things. And the Senate just wiped a bunch of them out. Like, surrounding the, the Vietnam War and president's power going into war and how presidents could get campaign funds and how mm -hmm. those funds retract. Um, a lot of those things... Like, he either vetoed them or passed them, and Senate just wiped out everything. Like, just mm -hmm. tried to basically take him off the map. Yeah. Um, three years after he resigns, Nixon told an interviewer, I let the American people down. I have to carry that burden for the rest of my life. Which lasted until 1994, uh, where Nixon passed away at the age of 81. And I did not know that he was dead. No. No, you... <laughs> you uh, you asked like... me, is he still alive? And he, like... Almost all of your life has been spent living in a world that Richard Nixon does not live in. Futurama lied to me. I thought <laughs> he was alive. <laughs> I don't know. I thought he was like in Florida somewhere. Nope. Slowly dying. Nope. He's super dead. 81 he was in 94. He <laughs> would be so old right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well. if, he, if he hadn't died in 1994, he'd be dead by now. Totally. <laughs> I mean, this is this. We, we said it at the top of the show, too, but that's one of the big differences in you and me as well. Is this I'm like, I absolutely don't want to know about American history. I've seen enough. Yeah. I've heard enough. Yeah. But then we do something like this and I'm like, well, oh, this is pretty interesting, though. Right. There's so many different things. And again, like one of your favorite sayings is that it goes all the way to the top. Uh -huh. Um, And this is this is why conspiracy theory people have at least like half a leg to stand on sometime. Because if you had said, oh, so someone broke in at the Democratic National Committee office and you think it's because of the president wanting to wire hack, he's up by 10 points. You're out of your mind. 
then shit like this happens. Like totally. this is a this is a conspiracy theory come to life. You mean that guy that's the basketball commissioner? He right. was like <laughs> And then yeah. Forrest Gump called the cops. Like, <laughs> you really want to tell me that that's real? Yeah. <laughs> and then it turns out, yes. And and it's just, the whole thing is all just, like, piling on top of itself. And it's just, like, the whole thing unravels on him. It, it was it was really fascinating to, to go back and research all of this. Mm-hmm. The twists and turns that this took, man. Yeah. Well, just stardust, man. <laughs> <laughs> So that was Watergate. Mm-hmm. It is um, indeed a fun story, and it also is a uh, original hip hop dance move. There you go. <laughs> and has led to the a number of pop culture things now, not just the hip hop dance move, but as you mentioned, Deep Throat. Yeah. Um, and now every time anything is called like in in football, um, the the Patriots have been involved in a couple of scandals. Ooh, and scandalo. Um, they were called Spygate and Deflategate. Now oh, you know where the gate comes from. Gate, whenever, whenever Ooh. we have any kind of controversy that has gate at the end of it, it's because of Watergate. Watergate. Oh, that's fun. I kind of want to go stay at Watergate now. Yeah, me too. We'd have to go to Washington D.C. though. Yeah, in East Maryland. Side of, but not Maine. Not Maine. You know I like Maine. That's true. And Massachusetts. <laughs> you go, Massachusetts. You're the only one that was like... They saw crack. through it. He's a crook. Bunch of mass holes saw through it. Bunch of ma- <laughs> uh, that's I want a, that on a hat. That's a thing. I never... I didn't come up with that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, but no, th- this was a lot of fun. So hopefully we were able to convey how batshit crazy this whole thing was to you. And again... We're not, we, we kind of drew a couple of the lines, but you can kind of see a lot of the similarities between this and the other controversial figure who was in the White House a couple of years ago. Um, oh, because like totally. up, up until a few years ago, this was like one of the biggest controversies that a president has ever been um, like, I don't want to say convicted because he never really was, but one of the, the ones that pretty well proven the president was at least a part of. There are other ones where there are like, conspiracies, like people wondering George Bush's involvement in 9-11 and stuff like that. Right. But, uh, nothing's been proved on that. Now, cut to someone listening to this podcast 300 years from now being like, hey, we found out that President Bush was actually like, you know, there's a time step on this. But at, at this point on um, in, in 2021, yes, on July 20th, 2021, um, this is one of the biggest controversies a president has ever like really been involved in. And Nixon is the only president to resign from the presidency. At least he was Mm -hmm. the first one. Um, Yeah. It's just, it's crazy that all of this happened with the leader of the free world. Very crazy. It's also, yeah. During Vietnam. Oh my God. Like, sorry. scared me. (laughs) Like during one of the, the most horrific wars of all time, this is also happening. Right. Yeah. 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 During, yeah, the, the most least popular war, the mm-hmm. most televised war. Yeah. Just a horrific assault on human rights of you, a war. Do you know how crazy a thing has to be for Vietnam to not be the first part of your Wikipedia page while you were the sitting president? You know, I think this podcast has showed that I don't know a lot, but I think I do know the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty crazy. Yeah. So thank you for listening. Uh, I learned a lot. Like, I mean, all of it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for downloading, for coming back. We're so excited to 
be legal in all of Canada <laughs> in terms of numbers of episodes. And I really like that we're doing that. It makes me happy. <laughs> Next week's a surprise. <laughs> as much of a surprise to you as it's going to be to us. Yes. We really got to talk about this. Right. Before we start recording. We, we did so good for like three episodes in a row where we did that. But now, yep. yeah. So surprise next week. Kelsa Breeze, yet again. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll do something on America because you'll be like, uh, <clears throat> JFK, uh-huh. Yeah, I maybe. I can't think of another example. That's uh, something in Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. The history of Massachusetts next Woo! week. Yeah. So, yes. Um, please continue to download wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can subscribe to us, rate, review, all that good stuff. You can send us an email at wehadnoideapodcast at gmail.com. You can also uh, follow us on Instagram and contact us on there. We are at wehadnoideapodcast. Do you have anything to say? Nope. I'm... I'm pretty well good <laughs> thanks for listening bye bye <laughs>